Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and it is our goal every single week to empower you, the listener, to knowing, being, and doing, knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. So we're glad that you're joining us. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. How you choose to do so, first best way, the best way is always for me, <laughs> call. Call the number 347-237. Let me slow that down. Back up. 237. Yeah. Y'all, y'all know the number by now. 347-237-5230. Uh, you know, it's just sad. I'm having one of those mental, those senior moments. <laughs> but that's the number, 347-237-5230. Hit us up on Twitter at Prophesy. Uh, go to our Facebook page, Zero Network. Like the page. Subscribe to the show on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we're on Skype. Uh, you can send me an email at Pastor, Pastor Neal at gmail.com. Wherever we are, we're there. Uh, we're still in the works of some other things. The chat room is open. Chat room is open, so you can get in on the chat room and leave comments there. I always love reading what people put in the chat room. It's a whole lot better than listening to my own voice talk. <laughs> but we got an interesting show lined up for you today. Some great topics we want to talk about. We're going to talk about at the bottom of the hour. We're going to be talking about church and mental health, you know, uh, regarding some issues that have been happening in the news, particularly with the death of Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren's son. Uh, what's the church? Uh, what is the church's role in the care of you know those people who have mental illness? Or you know, particularly, what about pastors? How are pastors addressing their own mental illness? Hmm. We'll talk about that. Uh, of course, I got some other little tidbits I want to talk about 
too. But before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer, ask his blessing on the show, and then we get into some some good discussions, hopefully, good topics. So, Father, we thank you for today. We pray that you would allow this show to be glorifying to you and edifying to your people. Bless all who are participating in Christ's name. Amen. All right. First, let me extend my congratulations to uh, colleges, the SWCA champions. First, for the University of Connecticut, uh, their lady basketball team won. They won the championship, the NAAC Women's Championship, uh, on uh, uh, this past week, and, and they're celebrating. And it's a notable celebration because now UConn has tied, uh, numerically has tied championship titles with uh, the University of Tennessee Lady Volunteers, and that's a feat. I tell you, I, I mean, I think they were like they were winning. UConn was winning back to back, like. Tennessee was doing back in the uh, late 80s and 90s. Man, that's just amazing, you know, how you can just win back-to-back championships. But that's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing uh, program they have up up there at uh, Connecticut. And, you know, hey, maybe you can send your daughter up there and and she may win a a title, you know, shot at the title someday. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But I'm going to be honest with you. I, you know, I kind of lost. I'll watch. Women's basketball more than I watch men's basketball now, because uh, you know a little bit more true to the game, I guess you can say. Not all the fancy stuff. They actually have to have to shoot and dribble. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. So uh, they won the uh, women's NCAA uh, basketball tournament championship title, and on the men's side, you had. Uh, University of Michigan versus the University of Louisville, and Louisville came out on top. And I tell you, I didn't expect that. I, I, I didn't know what to say. I was rooting for Michigan personally. You know, I don't know. It was this nostalgia with the Fab Five thing back from the nineties. You know, I guess that's what it was. Plus, a lot of my friends up there in Michigan, <laughs> you know, they've been taunting all season, and mostly because LSU. LSU, Grambling Southern, none of, none of the Louisiana teams really did that well, performed that well as far as basketball or football for that matter. And so they've been taunting me, taunting and taunting. And, and one of my frat brothers in particular, I, I, I don't know what goes on with his head, but, you know, he made it his effort throughout the tournament. Every time Michigan Michigan won, you know, I'm getting a text or I'm getting a uh, message on Facebook from him. Go blue. And I'm like, uh, hush. Anyway, so they won the title, and it was a unique title. You know, was, of course, they had one player who was, I mean, injured himself greatly. He got to cut the net. I used to always fantasize about cutting the net after you win the championship. Never got a chance to do that. But, again, I'm rambling. But it was a unique win for the coach. Uh, uh, the coach, Rick Pitino, uh you know his he had an amazing week he was selected to be into uh the basketball hall of fame or something like that not only was he that but um i think i remember reading that his son who is also a basketball coach now has uh a head coaching position at another school at a school and uh to top that off he wins a national championship and 
he wins a national championship championship uh and he becomes like the only like the second person in history to win two national championships at separate schools and the funny thing is you know he was the coach at Kentucky and last year Kentucky you know they won and this year is Louisville and he has coached both at both you know he's won a championship at both schools both of them in Kentucky I'm like, oh, that's that's cool, you know. Win one in in the late nineties at one school, come back a few years later, over a decade, you know, you know what? Yeah, over a decade later, and win another one. The school right up the street. <laughs> so, congratulations to both of those uh, basketball programs. And now it's on to baseball, and uh, see how that goes. I'm just ready for football season to start again. I want my Saints to get back. Anyway, I digress. So, having said all of that, let me get you some weird news, okay? I, I woke up this morning to some very weird news, and and I'm, I'm I'm trying to, in my mind, assess some of the things people do. But this morning, and it just doesn't make any sense. This morning, I wake up and I'm hearing the news about an elephant getting shot. I'm like, okay, an elephant getting shot. Now, here's the thing. The elephant was shot, but the elephant was a circus elephant for Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. And the circus was in town in Tupelo, Mississippi. And someone did a drive-by style shooting <laughs> on the circus. Oh, my God. I'm, 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 they shot the elephant. They did a drive-by shooting on the elephant. Who does that? I want to say where they do that at, but apparently down here in Mississippi, they do that. You want to be gangster in Mississippi? Go shoot an elephant. That's a gangster. Go drive by shooting on an elephant. That's gangster. That's gangster right there. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, what What can you say? Who? Does a drive-by shooting on elephant, a circus elephant? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to. I mean, apparently they must have had some. They had a very bad experience with that, with the circus or something. I mean, really though. But the good news is that the the elephant was not harmed. Okay, uh, I, I mean, we're shot, but you know, it had veterinarians tending to it, and and um, so the elephant is has survived and. With minimal, uh, minimal damage, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's just the idea that somebody is crazy enough to drive by shooting at a circus with the elephants at an elephant. Maybe, maybe that's why they need gun control. <laughs> maybe gun control would help idiots like that. You know. Really, you know, and, and and I grew up in a time where drive-by shootings were the norm. You know, you had the Bloods and the Crips fighting it out on the West Coast, and you had all those others imitating what we thought was happening. You know, you had the, all these others trying to do drive-by shootings, and, and you were shooting at people, not animals. But you know, more power to that individual who thought they were being real gangster. By trying to take out a circus elephant with a handgun. 
I'm sure it wasn't a shotgun because the shotgun probably would have really done some damage to the animal. So I'm assuming they had some nice little, you know, pistol or Glock or something uh, that really didn't pierce the the animal skin or you know, I don't know. I'm speculating. I'm I'm really getting off into speculation here, but who does a drive-by shooting at a circus? I bet you they're not taking their kids to the circus. <laughs> this is for my kids, you clowns. You scared my kids. I'm going to shoot the elephant. Uh, well, I know. I'm wasting way too much time, but I'm sorry. It's just such an interesting, I mean, just an interesting story. Where, where, really, really though. So, on to... Uh, this next topic I want to talk uh, this next discussion, um, and, and we're gonna get as quickly as I can move through this because this story here is pretty is really interesting to me. Uh, it's the story of an elaborate hoax that has been played on a very popular pastor. Uh, what has been called a hoax? Okay, so if you've been following the headlines, you know that earlier today. Earlier, not today, earlier this week or sometime uh, this weekend, I don't know, someone, uh, there was there was a YouTube video that appeared claiming that uh, Joe Osteen, who is the pastor of Lakewood Church in Houston, uh, Texas, one of the largest, if not the largest church in the country, with membership well, just about under 50,000 people, right? So the 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 uh, video has legitimate news sources claiming Joe Osteen has denounced his Christian faith and is now uh, you know he, he's he's renounced Christianity and promises to start some new kind of church and it had legitimate headlines it had the CNN headline it had the Judge Report headline. It had um, other sources, and, you know, it was presented as factual news. So a lot of people, you know, when they saw this website, they clicked on it, and they were, believe, you know, they, they believed it because it looked legitimate. And it turned out to be a very well-calculated, well-designed hoax. Uh, <laughs> someone just sit there and say, you you're going on and on about the elephant. <laughs> I was having fun. I couldn't resist. I mean, uh, anyway, let me get back to this Joel Osteen and, and hurry on and get to this this topic here because I'm rambling. Anyway, so Joel Osteen, uh, uh, somebody puts this site up saying that Joel Osteen has re- renounced, denounced his faith and that um, he was no longer a Christian. And it turns out that it was a hoax or it was and it was interpreted as a hoax, but the person who puts it up said it was not a hoax. It was a very intentional message for Pastor Osteen. And and so here's what the guy the guy is Jonathan Tribble, Justin Tribble. Tribble is out of Minnesota and he said he designed uh he he designed the the website uh because he wanted to Get through to a person, uh, have a dialogue with someone who was essentially 
inaccessible. And he felt that this was the best way to get his attention. And so he said this is what he wanted to do. He 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 says this. He says that he thinks Pastor Osteen's messages are not what they need to be. He's not saying he said he's too too, you know, too happy, <laughs> too positive, you know, all the all the good stuff and and it's not is not doing or saying it's not there's no potency in it. So he said this. He said it was a way to get through and have a dialogue with someone who is essentially accessible. He said ultimately uh that Joel Osteen has failed to use his gift for speaking to really enact meaningful change. And that's a powerful statement that this guy is saying. He's saying he went on to say that he really admires Osteen's preaching, you know, he watches and he likes the sermons, but he says he just thinks that he's not saying enough. Or he's what he is saying is not powerful enough that it is actually bringing about meaningful change. And when it made me wonder, really, it really did make me wonder about you know preachers today. Now, Osteen preaches a positive message. He doesn't. If you watch him, if you're familiar with him, everything he says has a positive tone to never anything negative. And you can't knock that. Uh, and he hasn't been preaching that long, you know, so that's the other thing, you know, just maybe about 15 years, if that, uh, 13, 14 years, maybe tops. That's as long as he's been preaching. And it's something he didn't want to do, he kind of felt forced to do it. If you go back and you listen to, you know, his dad, I admired his dad greatly. I got a chance to, to hear his dad preach on a number of times. And his father was probably, he was not only a great Bible teacher, but a man who had a heart for God, for God's people. And, and, you know, I think, I think, um, Osteen, Joel has the same heart. Um, and because he has that heart, he doesn't want to say anything harsh. He never wants to say the the hard things that some preachers say. And he came under a lot of criticism for that. Uh, Larry King, when he did an interview, you know, he he challenged him about salvation. He challenged him, challenged him about homosexuality. And, of course, he's still been... Uh, Osteen has still uh, been challenged on that, and he remains the same position, you know, marriage be- being between a man and a woman, saying that he loves all people. Um, so this is a, a this is a, a unique thing, a unique way to bring out the fact that you know what this guy believes to be watered down preaching. Now I you know I don't know what he. What the guy means by meaningful change, I don't know if he should be talking, you know, he's talking about Osteen is not getting people to be more proactive regarding the environment, regarding certain causes, you know, humanitarian causes, social causes, I don't know. But, you know, you have to ask the question, me being a preacher, I have to ask the question, uh, how do I know, I mean, how how would I know if what I am saying is actually causing uh, meaningful change, and of course, the gospel should do that. The gospel should cause meaningful change. You should be able to see it, you know, something, somebody, and in in that sense, he does that quite a bit. In that sense, he does allow for meaningful change. You know, people people feel better about themselves. <laughs> that can be considered as meaningful change, but you know, I don't know. I'm going to take a quick break. 
Because I, I could ramble on about this, ramble and ramble and ramble and ramble and ramble and ramble and ramble, and I'm not going to ramble. <laughs> but I'm going to take this break, and when we come back, we're going to get to the meat of our uh, of the topic, uh, the church, mental health, you know, pastors and mental health. We'll talk about that, and I want to give you insight about what we will be discussing. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into that. Be right back after this. Everyone who loves it and everyone who calls it home. 
right, good morning. Welcome back to Zero Day. Again, I am your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. You know, I had a little fun in the last session. Uh, I, I was rambling about rambling about rambling. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I just got blown away by that. The fact that somebody was shooting an elephant, and I had someone during the break <laughs> let me know about it. the elephant bit was funny. Yes, it was funny, and yes, it did happen. And I don't know who, why, what, but hey, it happened. Uh, so I'm not going to get back onto that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But on to the serious topic today. We are really discussing a serious topic, and that is the hot, that is the topic of mental health, uh, particularly. You know, in the wake of the Connecticut shootings at Sandy Hook Elementary School last year in last December, the issue of mental health has come to the forefront because we now know that the shooter had mental health mental health issues that were unaddressed, uh, and because of that mental health issue that was unaddressed, you know, we had the tragedy at Sandy Hook. But think also about the um, the the killer. Uh, not the killer, but the guy who went um, a few years ago in Arizona and shot up the senators. Was it yeah Arizona? Uh, shot up that that little meeting that they had, and uh, the congresswoman uh, Jeffries, uh, what's her name? Uh, I forgot. But anyway, he had mental issues. And then you think about the shooting at the uh, army base down in Texas, uh, where the alleged gunman was actually a psychiatrist he was a medical you know that was his profession his profession was uh dealing with the mental uh, care of the uh our, our soldiers our soldiers uh gifford is her name thank you uh thank you uh for letting me know that gifford uh, uh gabby gifford anyway so you know mental mental health uh, and wellness is now becoming a part of the dialogue uh, of the country, and unfortunately, it still it still not has not become a part of the dialogue of the church yet. And as a result, we're seeing things that are you know, for example, uh, and I, I use this um, Matthew uh, Matthew Warren, the son of uh, mega church pastor Rick Warren who on Friday committed suicide. Uh, he took his own life with a gun. And, and and it brings up two issues. At first, it brings up the issue of, you know, uh, gun ownership and mental health. Because here was a person, Rick Warren's son, who was was severely mentally, he had mental illness. And he had been struggling with mental illness for a very long time. And and even after moments, uh, as Rick Warren put it, they had a family outing where all seemed where, but in a moment of despair, when he went back home, he committed suicide. Now, this is the son of a prominent pastor, and, and let me uh, let me read you some things here. That uh, this this is what he said here. Uh, this is the letter that he wrote. Rick Warren wrote to his membership. Uh, said that he's asking for their prayers and said that his son died after years of mental illness resulting in deep depression and suicidal thoughts. And, you know, 
I, I applaud Pastor Warren for coming forward and going public, announcing his grief, you know, letting the public know about his grief. Um, and, you know, he's actually been criticized for that. Uh, there have been pastors, not there have been pastors who are literally, I mean, they have been chewing him out because of the fact that he has acknowledged, you know, this great, this great tragedy, uh, suicide. And there, there, there are those who hold to this belief, um, mental health, uh, when it comes down to mental health issues. There are those in the church who hold the belief that it may be demonically inspired, you know, it's, it's demons. And then there are those, there are those who will say that. Uh, those persons, you know, with those mental health issues are, you know, they just the Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it's just the dialogue is far from where it needs to be. And it's still considered taboo um, addressing any type of mis- mental illness is still considered taboo, uh, particularly in the black church. Um it is still considered taboo. So uh, now that Rick Warren's prominence has brought this brought this issue more into the forefront of the American uh, mindset and the dialogue regarding uh, human health and wellness. And I say human health because mental health is a part of human health. You cannot. Uh, you you cannot subtract you know you can't bring them apart there's no way to break them apart you have to be holistic in your approach i am i i am a licensed pastoral counselor and you know my right now you know i'm 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 working in my doctorate and my doctorate is in pastoral psychotherapy um and with my clients i i make sure that they understand you know when you come to me for counseling it ain't scripture and a prayer <laughs> And we could get into a whole lot of other things regarding, regarding you know, preachers and counseling, the horror stories that some people experience. Um, we could get into all that, uh, but but I I want to take a different approach. I don't want to just talk about you know, counsel, you know, pastoral counseling uh, and all of that. But I really wanted to get a dialogue going about. Uh, regarding how the church can really seriously address this issue. What can the church really do other than just say, I pray for you, baby? <laughs> I mean, what can we really do to address this very serious issue? And I'm going to talk from my experience as a counselor as, and as a psychotherapist. I'm going to talk about it from, uh, a little bit from that, but I'm also going to talk about my own experiences with uh mental illness and and i i know a lot of preachers don't want to do that because i want to i want to open a dialogue also and we'll get into this discussion in the latter part but um what about when the preacher uh you know how how does the preacher himself or herself handle the their experience with you know Emotional difficulties and things of that nature. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about all of that. Um, coming up on a hard break, and when I get back from the break, we'll get into that. And I'd love to hear your your insight and thoughts about that. You know, maybe you have some stories about uh, your struggles with depression, your struggles with uh, 
a family member or someone you may know who who struggled with that committed suicide or maybe you just want to talk about uh something you know you know experience you had counseling with you know with your clergy you know your pastoral counseling what was that like well you know you may have had a bad experience with your pastor you may have had a good experience you know your pastor uh, <laughs> telling you one thing and doing another i don't know i just like to hear about all of that uh so when we come back from the break uh we will we'll talk about that uh, as soon as i get this queued up we're going to have a break be right back Faustine's topping the fluffy egg with crispy bacon. Now he's delicately placing the gouda. That's cheese, Ron. Like a blanket. The toasted English muffin, perfectly positioned. The bacon gouda sandwich, everyone. Come on. Wait. Zinu coffee. Perfection! That means good sandwich. Try the new bacon gouda sandwich. And now try our new small hot or iced coffee for 25 cents. Breakfast just got fantastic. Burger King, where taste is king. I wasn't born to push papers. I was born to push myself. To go where I'm needed. To keep this country safe. I was born with the backbone and brain power to take on any mission. This is my office. I was born ready. GoCoastGuard.com You tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flowbot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh, Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. Good morning, freedom. Hello, adventure. Today is yours. To find your can-do spirit, your will-do strength. To chart new paths and rediscover old ones. Capability has found its versatility. Making all days and all terrains equal. Go ahead. Raise your hands. Lower your foot. Make pursuit of the unexpected unrelenting. Today is yours. To go find your power. 
and where you'll find it is within. And mental health. We're talking. Um, we're talking. You know what? What's the church's role uh, in, in the wake of the tragedy of Pastor Rick Warren, who has become known as America's pastor? You know, he he he's the pastor who's been in the presence of a president. You know, and he's celebrated by both the mainstream media. Um, he's hated by. Some of the more conservative evangelicals, because of some of the positions he stands on and some of the things he does, he's an author. He's he's a teacher. His book, Purpose Driven Life, has sold millions of copies. And his church, Purpose, Purpose Driven Church, his book, Purpose Driven Church, has influenced thousands upon thousands of churches and ministers, and you know, so he's very influential. And yet we find that his family is just as dysfunctional as everybody else's. You know, he has a son who has been suffering from mental illness for a very much for a very long time, and that son ends up taking his own life. You know, and, and I tried to I tried to put myself in that in his position as a as a pastor. I can't do it as a father. I can only imagine the grief that he's experiencing as a father. But I think about uh, as a pastor, you know, we have to put on these fronts, and and I'm I'm not very good at it. I, I well I lie. I am very good at it. Uh, some of my friends could tell you I I faked very well <laughs> at uh, putting on the front, you know, the positive front when I was experiencing some great emotional things. Uh, three years ago, my brother was killed. My brother was murdered, and that was one of the biggest emotional challenges that I had to deal with as a pastor. I had to come to grips with the fact that someone else took my brother's life. That it was not a crime of passion. It was an intentional, deliberate act that this person took my brother's life. And that I was not there to prevent it in any way. And I, as because of that, I mean, I experienced some very severe emotional distress that I wasn't able to, you know, I wasn't able to articulate. I was still preaching, and I was preaching. I mean, I was preaching. I was preaching. But I, and, and, you know, I, I had an overwhelming emotional distress that I couldn't. I just couldn't, you know. I wasn't this. I wasn't suicidal, but I was definitely depressed. Definitely depressed, and it was noticeable those who, to those who were around me regularly, it was very much noticeable. It affected my work to a to a degree. It definitely affected and impacted my social life. Uh, you know, not not that I had much of one, but what it did, what the one that I did was greatly impacted. Uh, and the offshoot of it was that it did affect my ministry. 
I was preaching. And I was preaching, but it, there was a disconnect between me and the preaching. The preaching was something I was able to do because I had been doing it for so long. You, you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't because I was, you know, pushing through. I had the faith of God. No, I, I, I had lost that sense of faith. I was experiencing what Thomas Moore writes, the dark night of the soul. I was experiencing the dark night of the soul. And and it was it was a tough moment. It was a very, very tough moment for me. And it lasted for about a year, at, at least nine months. I struggled with the idea that my brother was killed. I struggled with the emotions uh, accompanying that. Not only was it the fact that my brother was killed, but also it was the 30th anniversary. It, would have been, it was just shy of the 30th anniversary of my mother's murder. So, you know, here my family, we had to deal. We had a very interesting, it was very interesting, you know, 30 years after my mother had been murdered, my brother was murdered. And uh, uh, I was I, I had to delay the releasing of my book. Um, I had just finished the book; it was ready to be released. And when I heard news of that, it just had, you know I, I delayed the uh, the release of the book. And it was funny because the book was actually titled "A Breach in the Family" and talked about uh, some of the things that happened after my mother, you know, after my mother passed. There was a great deal of silence. There was a great deal of uh, they figured this is how it went basically that if we didn't talk about it, it would be as if it didn't happen, and, and that's how and that's how the church approaches the issue of mental illness. If we don't talk about it, it's as if it doesn't happen. And the reality is, we have a lot of people in our as pastors, we have a lot of people in our congregation who are suffering with. Uh, mild to severe mental illness, and I was—I have been one of the. I, you know, I was on the medicine. I was on medicine for it. I—I I had uh, Lexapro. I had um, what else? Some uh, I've gotten together, but you know, I—I I had the anti-anxiety medicines and uh, those mood uh, medicines uh, to to kind of to kind of balance me out. Uh, and of course, I, I I thank God for that. Uh, and although I did not go to counseling during that time, eventually I had to seek counseling. Well, I had to seek. Let me tell you why I went to counseling. I didn't go to counseling because I needed to go to counseling. I went to counseling. Uh, initially, you know, I would go. I went to counseling initially afterwards. You know, to go through the grieving process. But it was, you know, it was a short term, brief. It was just to address that issue and to kind of move on. Uh, I didn't go to intense until the more intense, intensified counseling uh, until I had to do it as you know because uh, as a therapist they encourage you when you go you know if you're going to be an effective therapist you need to go be able to go to therapy yourself. So I went to therapy and you know worked through submissions. I got a caller and I'm gonna take the caller and I know this person has a lot to say so. Uh, Hello. What's there? Hello. 
You're on the air. Can you hear? Okay. Yes, I can now. How are you today? I'm wonderful. As you can tell, I was ranting. <laughs> you were yes. ranting. But go ahead and share. Well, I've been in counseling since, I've been, since I was eight years old. And I, at the time, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, type 2. And I've been on several different medications, several combinations of medications throughout my my life. I'm 32 years old now. I've been to several mental institutions. And from my perspective, there's a lot of things that you can't articulate. You know, you can't explain what's going on inside of your own head, you know. And as far as Pastor Warren's son, I've been there. I've actually committed suicide. I was dead, and they brought me back. And it's you get to a point to where no, no amount of talking will help because that's all therapy really is, is conversation with another person. And if you can't put into words what's going on, then that no amount of talking will help. And, I mean, it's, it's, I've, hello? Yeah, go ahead. And I've been through a lot in my, throughout my life, and I've dealt with several different traumatic events recently that have brought me, you know, down, but it didn't bring me to where I, I would have gone before into a deep, dark depression, you know, and that's because of God and because of prayer that I've been able to sustain without, Falling into that pit, you know. Yeah, and and one of the things that I've, I've I have been learning, I have gone to counseling myself, is that the biggest thing to admit is that sometimes it doesn't always work out the way we want it to work out. Um, so true. Uh, I had to. I had a case recently. I had a. a a client recently, husband passed away, um, and this was one you know, man that she had loved for a long time, and, and he passed away suddenly. Not only did she feel this deep sense of loss, uh, but she also felt a sense of pressure. And she went to her pastor, and when she went to her pastor, what she was experiencing, the pastor said, "Well, I'm afraid, but it's gonna be alright." And like that didn't help her at all. In fact, it drove her to a deeper depression. And when she came to me, enough knowing that, you know, she was reading her Bible. That wasn't enough. And she was thinking that that would be enough. For some people it is. For some people, you know, for some people they can pray. And they can pray their way out of being sad. They can pray their way out of being afraid. But most people, you know, is enough. And, you know, the question is how, how do we uh, I believe 
I just believe that there's a spiritual root to uh I believe there's a spiritual root to all I also believe that the issues must undergird with uh you know prayer I guess you could say a some some way of of engaging soul other than just that's just me. Hello? Paula? Did you have anything Hello? else? Did you have anything else to say? No, not really. Okay. Thank you. If you have any questions, I I can answer your questions as best as I can give you my perspective from okay. a different, you know. Let me well, let me let me, let me ask you this question. Uh, how how do you, do you believe the church is equipped enough to, to help someone like you? Not not that I found. I've I've been to several different churches. I was raised, you know, strict Catholic, Catholic, and it just it seemed that none of that helped. And um, I found that talking to you know. To various individuals, just strangers help more than anything. I, I mean, no church has, you know, other than well, let's pray about it, as you said. And I'm, there's a little more that needs to go on than prayer. Yep, I, 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 I completely agree with. And, and from my perspective, from my experience, you know, when I needed to, uh. After the death of my brother, when I when I needed to reach out to the church, I didn't have anybody I could reach out to. You know, there were pastors who were not equipped to deal with that you know, that reality. I was personally equipped, but you know, you never know what you what you would do until something. You know how you have one stance on something until it happens to you. You know, and, and I was one of those pastors that. I had I had already experienced you know, depression and things like that, but I had never experienced a deep sense of loss as much as I experienced after that. You know, I had after that. So it was counted by like I said earlier. The fact that I had you know, thirty years of my mother's death and add to that my brother's death and a sense of uh a, a skewed sense of responsibility uh, that I I I did I lack, and the preachers couldn't address that. That's just my Most experience. people can only speak from experience. I found that with a lot of people. And well, well, there it goes. My time is up. <laughs> All right. Thank you. One moment. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, always on call. All right, but as, as I was saying, and, and I appreciate the caller for 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 sharing her experience and uh, the fact that you know she grew up with a mental mental case. I, I tried to find, you know, I was I was I've been asked this question before, and uh, I've addressed it before, but. The the question was, 
does the Bible talk about depression and suicide and things of that nature? And I said, yes, yes. Uh, the the Bible mentions several persons committing suicide. Uh, the Bible talks about traumatic experience. You have a brother raping a sister. That's a traumatic experience that causes a family to go into full disruption. You know, the sons of David, King David's son, uh, lusted after his sister, raped her, causing his other brother to find him, hunt him down, and kill him. And that plague, that whole, that whole uh, schematic plagued David's family. David talked about his own depression uh, in one of the Psalms, one of the saddest Psalms. Um, one of the saddest Psalms is Psalm number number uh, forty, and in that Psalm you can sense the the deepness of a depressed person. You can you can sense it. Uh, uh, he talks about being brought up out of a horrible pit and out of a miry clay, and Think about what he says, um, uh, talks about deep calling unto deep, talks about, um, uh, it's just just a lot. Um, That's Psalm number 42, I'm sorry. Um, Psalm number 42, not number 40. But number 42 talks about that. Um, Says, uh, why are you cast down? My soul, put your hope in God. And while it does not use the word depressed, it is clearly an indication that the writer of this psalm was dealing with a traumatic emotional experience. And if you read Ecclesiastes, you find it even more throughout Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes, I mean, is just full of uh, of a, a, a man who had reached the bottom, and he calls life foolishness. He says uh, it's vanity, vanity of vanity. And the Hebrew word vanity uh, basically transliterates to mean emptiness. Emptiness of emptiness is, is what he's saying, you know. So this man who has it all finds himself empty. And he talks about having all that he wants, been able to do everything he wanted to do, and yet he still finds it means nothing. It's nothing to him. You know, it's futile. It's it's fleeting, and and it's despair. And he says the only thing that a man can hope to do <laughs> is to do things that please God and look forward to death. And that is a very sad state of affairs. But think about how many people who are in the church who are in that same state of mind, state of being. And um one 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 of the things I try to do is is be transparent. You know, I I I try to let my congregation know when I'm experiencing something. I don't let them know the details of it, but you know, I want them to know that I'm just as frail as any other person in the congregation. I'm not any you know, I'm not any higher up because of the title of pastor or the pre uh the you know responsibility of preaching. The same emotional experience and the stresses that my members experience, I experience also. The sense of loneliness, the sense of dread, agony, frustration, you know, all of those things that cannot always be articulated through a sermon. And and I try, I, I try, I I do try to articulate those things in the meaningful ways that address them without being 
outright overbearing without saying, look, if you're depressed, you need to go see. But you, you need to do this, 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 this. Uh, I try not to be that that way. But I try to encourage them to allow them to see that they they're, 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 that there are opportunities where these emotions need to be expressed. They need to be released. They need to be addressed. And don't just ignore them. Not just ignore Because the more you ignore, what you find out is that they build up over time. They build up over time. And as they build up over time, you know, yeah, ain't no telling what can happen. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, uh, try to get a little bit more into the discussion. If you have anything else, you know, feel free to call again. The number is 347-237-5230. The chat room is open. I'm going to read some of the comments from uh, some uh from some text messages I'm getting and IMs in in, in the chat room, but t- uh, we'll do that when we come back from the break. Be right back after this. I need you. I feel so alone. 
but you're not alone. I knew you'd come. Like I could stay away. You know I can't do this without you. You'll never have to. You're always there for me. I'll get you a rental car. Don't use an umbrella. Fall in love with Progressive's Claim Service. Downloading an app, an app, and another app. Kilobytes, megabytes, gigabytes, all stacking up until you reach your limit. And what happens if you go over? With Sprint, you don't have to worry. Only Sprint offers truly unlimited data. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome back to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're talking the church and mental health, uh, and we've been having a very good discussion and dialogue. We've got some things going on in the chat room, so if you still want to get in your thoughts in the, on the air, you can do so, 347-237-5230. That's the number to call. And the chat room is just go to blogtalkradio.com, uh, and uh, you'll see the blog, uh, the chat room for Zero Today. Jump in there. Leave us a message also. Uh, on the Facebook page, the Zero Network Facebook page, you can leave a, a comment there. We appreciate everything that you do. We appreciate you listening. And anytime you want to hear any of the archive shows, just simply visit the uh, the website uh, and uh, blogtalkradio.com, and you can listen to archive shows all the way back to 2010. So we appreciate you. We're talking about the church and mental health. And let me read you this comment here by uh, uh, one uh, Tatiana Griffin sent this comment. Uh, uh, we as African Americans don't believe in mental health either. Some people think that it is a sin to be a psychologist or to practice. And she goes on to say, my old pastor said it was wrong. And, and, and you know, and, and that's part of the problem, you know, that that is part of the problem. We're trying to create a dialogue about mental health. Um, you know, the, the reason this is coming up is because we're seeing more and more people uh, with mental health illness, mental health conditions that have been either under-assessed 
or not addressed at all carrying out violent crimes. We're seeing that happen in, across the nation, and the nation is trying to raise awareness. Uh, and I'm, I'm this. I'm instead of proposing stricter gun laws, address the mental health issues. And I think one of one of the primary vehicles that can be used to do that, aside from the judicial system, the judicial system uh, addresses that. You know, a lot of the clients receive, a lot of people in jail receive a lot of counseling. Um, I've, I've doing one of my, uh, uh, I've had to go in and you know work with some from some persons who well youth in particular youth in particular who had mental issues but they were incarcerated we had to go in and you know uh pass part of an internship uh, address you know not address them but you know help them out <laughs> and uh it what 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 impacted me the most is the fact that me myself being a pastor and also a person who is in the uh, counseling profession. As a pastor, I don't do as much as I could do to really address it seriously. I mean, my congregation knows that I do counseling. They know that I'm available to do so. Uh, members of, the, you know, my, my now my congregation, but other persons know that I, I, I do that. So they'll, if they'll come to the hospital where I work and they'll, you know, they'll set up an appointment so we can we can begin the process, you know. But it's still a big taboo in the black church. Uh, uh, and now, even now, I have several acquaintances who are pastors who are also uh, licensed uh, practice, you know, licensed professional counselors, which I am aspiring to be. You know, I'm studying to get my LPC license. They are also licensed marriage and family therapists, um, things of that nature. But... Uh, it's still such a bad thing to go out to seek out help. And I think here's one of the things the churches that pastors can do. First is to make it uh known that there is nothing wrong with seeking out help. Um it, we have to stop demonizing everything. Everything doesn't come from the devil. Every sickness isn't from the devil. And let me give you an example here. Jesus crosses the uh in, in Mark chapter five, I think it is. Make sure I get it right. Uh in Mark chapter five, Jesus crosses the lake, and when he crosses the lake he comes in contact with this individual who has been living uh See in the gatherings, he comes across this individual had been living among the tombs in this uh, seaside community, and this person was obviously uh, not only did he have obvious mental issues because one he lived in the cemetery, or what we would consider a cemetery. He lived in a tomb, uh, but he was also afflicted with what was interpreted as being demon possession because uh when you read through the scriptures and when you read through the story what happened is that um the lord said that he had untamed you know he had unclean spirits and the unclean spirits spoke out and said what do you have to do with it? what what are you going to do with us 
Why are you bothering us, Jesus? And Jesus commanded the spirits to go out. And in one story, they run out into a pack of wild hogs who ran out and drowned themselves. Um, but this guy had some serious issues. And Jesus addressed both the mental issues that he had as well as the spiritual issues that he had. The mental issue was the fact that he was living alone. He was a madman. And the spiritual issue was that it was a demonically influenced madness. It was a demonically influenced madness that causes God to act out. And the people around the town were aware of it. Now, here's the other thing now. It was not uncommon for people to live among the tombs because the tombs at this time, they were basically caves. You know, they weren't, gra- you know, graves like we have today. They were They were caves. So a lot of people would seek shelter, especially if they had a shipwreck, you know, and they were waiting for rescue. They would seek seek out shelter in those caves, in those in those tombs. So it wasn't uncommon. What made his case significant is the fact that people knew that he was mad. He would often, you know, the account says that he would do some crazy things. You know, uh, people couldn't couldn't, you know, they would try to, you know, chain him up or bind him up, and he break them. So you know, he had unusual strength. And he was cutting himself, and that, of course, is a great sign of uh, depression of some kind. So he was cutting himself. He was, you know, crying, making loud noises, and anytime people try to try to, uh, you know, strap him down, he break it. So that was the that was not only the, the that was not the demonic influence. That was also an expression of the uh, mental illness. So here we find this case where he encounters Jesus, and after encountering Jesus, he gets delivered from both the emotional, mental illness that he's experiencing, also the demonic oppression that he was experiencing, and he becomes a new man. So much so that uh, he wanted to follow Jesus, and you know he's such a new person, he wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus tells him no to go back to you know go back to go back to the uh, the people. Go back to the town and let the town know what he had done. He said, go home, tell all your friends what God has done for you. So he makes him an evangelist. And and here's the thing. There was, several, there was another account where Jesus had been on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter, James, and John was with him. And the other disciples were at the foot of the mountain, and his father brings his son. And the father says, my son has been plagued with both a evil spirit and epilepsy, so much so that he throws himself into a fire. And after throwing himself in the fire, you know, he has these fits, he throws himself in the fire, and the disciples couldn't cast out the demon or the devil, and they couldn't address the issue, both the the mental issue or the demonic issue. They couldn't They couldn't address it. And what happens was Jesus comes down, and he gets upset, Says, "Where's your faith? You don't have faith, you know. Where's your faith?" And he he cast them out. Then they said, "Well, why couldn't we do?" It? He said, "Some of these things can only be done after fasting and praying." So there is a spiritual dimension to mental health issues. We cannot ignore that there is a spiritual dimension. Um, you know, being a pastoral counselor, of course, when I, when I when I when I meet with clients, I of course, integrate spirituality, but it's not always it's not always Christian. You know, we have I've we've learned I've learned how to integrate various means of 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 
spirituality incorporated because everybody don't go to church everybody don't know jesus but they all are experiencing the same type of mental anguish and how do i address it you address it firstly by acknowledging that they're human and they're experiencing something that all humans experience at one time or another it may be more intensive more intense than some but every person experiences it so that's the first thing i let them know that they are not any different than anybody else Everyone has it, and if anybody denies, you know, I, I get upset with those people who say that, you know, they, they never have a down moment. I say, you're a liar, because you do. You can't say, I mean, there was a time where I heard people, preachers, saying on, you know, these were some television preachers talking about, you know, they never get such, a, you know, they never get depressed. They never, I say, yes, you do. Lose your money. You'll get depressed. <laughs> no, but there was, a, there was this time, you know, that, that everybody experiences and one of the best Christian authors and preachers who addressed the issue from a spiritual standpoint was Norman Vincent Peale. Norman Vincent Peale, of course, the art is the author of The Power of Positive Thinking, and he, you know, he he, he went on and, and wrote some of the most powerful books on creating a positive self identity, positive thoughts, and all those things. And uh, that was picked up by Joel Osteen's father. Uh, John and also by uh, uh, Richard Schuller, uh, who was the founder of the Christian Cathedral in California there, and though that that helped quite a bit of people. And here's what he did: he said you can change your uh, your thinking by saying you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. you know, Philippians four and thirteen. He, he said you say that you can change your thoughts and become more positive. And, and that that is the spirit. Spiritual fear, spiritual arena, but as as the caller said, sometimes that's not enough. You know, you can always think positive, but positive thinking does not always affect the emotions. You know, it, it can, and it's been proven that it can. But there, are, you have to have some additional things. And so, when when a client comes to me, they automatically assume that because I'm a preacher, that I'm going to pray with them. And give them a couple of scriptures. And I, I have to let them know, no, it's more than that. Because if you're experiencing it in intensity as you're describing it, you need more than just prayer. I can lay hands on you all I want to, but that might not do it. And nine times out of ten, you probably won't have the kind of faith that you need to believe it at first. Or, or maybe God will just deliver you like that. I don't know. That's up on him. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to, you know. He, he can make you well. He can make you mad. He can make you good. He can make you glad. And, you know, but ultimately, you have to, you have to. We have to approach the person as a human first, with full human experiences. And throughout the Bible, you'll find all, every last one of those people that we revere in the Bible, including Jesus Himself, in the moments of anguish and agony, had this great sense. Of you know they they experienced some some sense of of hopelessness. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, while he's praying, saying his sweat was like blood, and he's agonizing on all the events that he knows he's going to have to experience, and he cries out to God, you know, can you just let this go? Do I have to go through this? Uh, then he says, not my will, thy, thy will be done, which is interesting because 
here this man is experiencing the toughest mental emotion uh, mental and emotional breakdown at this moment he has his one of his good friends betrayed him he is fully aware of it he tells him go ahead and do it i know what you're going to do he has people who he already knows are going to deny him so you can imagine what kind of anguish this man had and yet he it is intensified while he's on the cross the same type of emotions yet in those emotions and then in, in those moments of agony he forgives he allows someone else to come into paradise and he gives up the ghost so what why am i saying all that i'm saying all that because i'm saying that the church is equipped uh, needs to be equipped with more than just the Bible and more than just prayer. Uh, pastors need to be fully aware of mental illness. And I have a copy of the Diagnostic Manual. Uh, I have a you know, DMVR. I have that. I, I have that copy. And it lists all of the conditions. And all of that. I mean, you name it. It's listed in there. And uh, while I am not adequately trained enough to diagnose, you know, I can't, I can't sufficiently, I can have an idea of what an it's in, in, you know, an individual may be suffering from. I, I uh, using this resource, I'm able to uh, get an idea. I can't diagnose it. I'm not a doctor. Uh, you know, even as a psychologist is is limited to some degree. Uh, but it has helped quite a bit to understand that this person, you know, uh, may be experiencing these symptoms and this could be this. The uh you know, the cause could be this. Even in my own uh I, I my own experience in my counseling, I learned a little a whole lot more about I, you know my family of origin issues that I wasn't aware of. Why I was having problem connecting with some things, you know. Also, adjustment issues. And, and matter of fact, my dissertation is addressing this. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm learning about uh, Bowen family systems, and Bowen's family system deals with a thing called uh, differentiation of self. And differentiation of self basically is how does a person Understand how a person understands themselves, his or herself, is uh, an indicator of how they interact with someone else. If they are able to understand themselves in a more holistic way, you know, if they that the more in tune with themselves, the better they interact with people. You know, and the less we are in tune with ourselves, the more uh, the uh, pliable our relationships are. In other words, we're more likely to you know get all bent out of shape when we're less in tune with who we are as an individual and 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 the purpose of the gospel is to help you get in tune with God who in turn gets you in tune with yourself so as you understand God and himself understanding himself he helps you i i i i may know, i know that it kind of sounds crazy but i mean when you get centered, it's something about being centered, and there are various ways of doing that. And you know, I'm introducing different things into the church. You know, meditation. Uh, I I know a lot of black churches don't do that, but meditation, just sitting and being still for five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, I have alone. You know, 
just sitting and being still. Yoga. Tai Chi. You know, those these are things that I practice. I'm, I'm just letting you know these are the things that I practice to help give me uh, a balance, emotional balance, and a little bit, you know, spiritual and, and, and definitely mental balance in some ways. <laughs> I'm still a little bit crazy, but saying all it is because uh, the the biggest thing is that we have to rethink church as being something that the preacher does to make us do something else. We have to begin to think about church as a holistic event uh, and organism. And as we think about church as being a holistic organism, we approach ministry holistically. We approach, and you know, I see a lot of these churches with these family life centers. And I always wonder, okay, you have a family life center, but the only thing you're using it for is to, to you know, let kids play basketball in it or to you know it's just additional space so you can hold banquets or something like that and it's really not addressing the family life you know there are no there are no programs that are really seriously addressing the family life so my thing if i ever build a family life center it's going to house things that are really going to be about improving the family and if it doesn't then you know What's the worth? What's the use of having it? But again, in the black church, we we it's still a taboo thing. I don't know why it's taboo. It shouldn't be. Uh, God has equipped us with the things that we are, what we need to address the things where we. And you know what the biggest the biggest thing? One of the root causes of a lot of a lot of the emotional and mental illness and distress is two things. It's a sense of guilt and a sense of shame. That I mean some some somewhat. That's not all of it, but uh a lot of us when we experience those we have those two things uh that that's a problem. But then there's also you know, the family issues that we have to address. As a pastor, you know, in a family church, if you know everybody crazy, everybody there's gotta be a reason for it. <laughs> I just said that, you know, if it seems to be that everybody is fussing about something and they all relate it, you know, that there's 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 an issue in the family. There's a mental issue in the family you probably need to address. I'm just kidding, y'all. I'm just kidding. But look, hey, I I I literally have run out of time, and I appreciate all that we've been been discussing. And again. Leave a comment if you if you want to uh, carry out the discussion a little bit more. Uh, let it, let us know. And uh, oh goodness! Oh wow! I just got <laughs> anyway. I got described. Anyway, so we we are wrapping up the show. I I hope you've enjoyed it. I I hope that you gotten something out of it. And, and again, leave comments. Uh, we're gonna be putting this up. There. Uh, it'll be an archive show, so you can listen to the podcast and catch up. But if you want to leave any comments, it's simply uh, to me pastorrenzoneal at gmail dot com or go to the uh, Facebook page. Leave a comment on the Facebook page regarding the show. 
let us know what you think about it. And we'll, if you want to get a thought, uh, some more thoughts in it, or you want to hear uh, uh, more experience or expert on it, sure, let me know, and I'll get in touch with a person who can do that. So uh, until next time, next week, we'll be back on the air, and we'll be looking forward to having you on with us. This is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And uh, we are praying God's riches and choices, blessings upon you. And as always, uh, catch up on all the archive show uh, simply by going to uh, Blog Talk Radio Zero today and listening to it. However you want to do it, we will get it done. 